Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. see me yeah we're good hey good morning how you guys doing this is a good this i i feel weird about coming up a little bit because i feel like we've already had the service like like what what what, what else do i add to you guys today so um you know my my time this morning just as god has been leading us um i actually think that god's already spoken and i think my role is to just continue to propel us to that next step so if you don't uh, know anything about me, my name's Graeme. You could call me Gray if you want as well, but Graeme works. It's like game with an R. And uh, the last few weeks uh, that I've been here um, have been really fantastic. I've been really good. A plus. Good job. It's been wonderful. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, now that you've invited me into the family, maybe some of you haven't, but, you know, I'm coming anyways. Um, I want to invite you into... Uh, my life a little bit. Now, although the few weeks have been wonderful, they've been fantastic, there have been some challenges. I'm going to fill you in. And I've talked it through with Pastor Chad. We're working things through. We're working it out. Um, I have been overwhelmed. I've been a little frustrated the last few weeks. I've been trying to figure out what, what decisions to make. I've been trying to catch up and, and, and keep to speed. I've been trying to make sure that I'm, you know, not falling behind in what I need to do. I'm trying to figure out how to take my turn. Like, I'm trying to figure out how to do things. And, and, and I mean it this way. I don't know about if this is your experience, but this is what it's like for me as I've been learning how to play board games. The last three weeks, all I've been doing is playing board games. Everyone seems to do it. I don't know why. They're really, really intense. I, I didn't grow up playing board games all the time, but I did in some capacity. But the, we've been playing these games I've never heard of. What's a corkle? One game we've been playing, corkle. Do you corkle? We could, I feel like I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, we could totally do a new trend. Hashtag corkle. <laughs> do you even corkle? Uh, Monopoly deal. Ticket to ride. Anybody in the house, ticket to ride. We, they, we at my host fam, fam, we, at my host family's house, we've been playing ticket to ride a few times. They are so invested. They have like every single edition plus the Germany version. You can't even get it. They have every single one. And so I'm, I'm in new territory here. Like Dora the Explorer couldn't handle this. Like she'd ask, where are we going? I'd say, I don't know, you tell me. I have no idea what's happening, but I get super overwhelmed. I don't know why. We were playing Jackbox the other day, and I had no idea what was happening. They gave really simple instructions. I kept asking questions. Refer to Pastor Carlo later. And so everyone's working so fast, right? We're, on the, we're in this table. We're going through the game. We're trying to figure out. I have no idea what's happening. And they're so fast, and they're so familiar with their role. They're so familiar with their turn. It gets back to me without even me looking at my cards yet, without me making a decision. I have no idea. 
but I can't stop, right? I'm still in the game. It's, it's familiar to them, but no matter what, everybody has to take their turn. Everybody has to take their turn. And so for, for my life a little bit, I, I became a Christian six years ago. I don't like to say that phrase. I like to say, Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed my life six years ago. He turned my life around. And there was one question that I constantly had and that he answered at that time. See, I needed to know, I needed to know my role. I needed to know my next turn. I, and specifically, I needed to know God's role. I, I was curious. I was frustrated. I, I, I had a lot of doubt growing up about who God is. Not that it was real, but an issue where I didn't understand what God's role was in my life. And I remember six years ago going to a camp asking this question, God, what is your role in my life? What, what, what do you do? <laughs> How do I approach you? How do I connect with you? I needed to know his role. It helped, knowing his role helped me to know mine. And to take our next turn, we need to know our role. For me, even though board games are a little unfamiliar, skateboarding is not. For me, I've been a skater for the last 18 years or so. It sounds so cool, but not really. It's just me skating. And, uh, but it's really familiar with me. And skating is interesting. I, I don't know, uh, there's a lot of parents here. Um, fun fact, if you ever go to a skate park with your kids, caution. It is not a fun zone. It is a highway. There is a system involved at skate parks. Everybody knows their turn. How do you do that? You wait your turn. And kids often don't know how to wait their turn. And parents don't know this because they're unfamiliar Welcome to my world. This system is a turn-based system. It helps us to know our role. And it's hard to take your turn if you don't know your role. It is very, very difficult. And so in your life, where is your next turn taking you? In your life, where is your next turn taking you? As we just had this time of worship that was incredible. It seemed like God, God was speaking and leading and revealing himself. And, and I don't know about you, but for some of us, maybe you, you know who you are or maybe you know who God, God is in your life. You know his role. But those of you who don't answer that question, what role does God play in my life? Maybe you think, you know, uh, I do have a role, but I don't know where to turn. Maybe you, you, you see the world around you and you think, you know, everyone seems to understand their role. Like everybody else gets it. Everybody seems to know what to do. It's easier for them. They're more familiar with what to do, with what, how to live out their role. And you think, maybe I just can't. I don't know how. Maybe you think, you know what, I'm not actually that needed, so I'm not going to play out my role. I'm not going to live out my role. Except people are looking for a role. I talk to so many people, and I say, hey, what do you do? And they're like, I don't know. Well, actually, I say that too. But I'm saying, like, when it comes to them living their life and, and, and living with purpose and taking their next steps, we have to have a role. 
even said in the announcements, young adults, anyone in the high school, we want to offer a role to volunteer. And so from my experience and observation, from my expertise, our next turn always points to community. It always does. Our next turn always points to community. And I don't know about you, but as we, we're going through the series of Engage, today we're talking about engaging community. But when you look at community, what do you see? When we look at community, what do you see? Do you see a crowd or do you see a concert? I'll tell you the difference. See, when you look at a crowd, maybe you think there's no spot for me. When you look at community and you look at your role and you say, do I have a role in community? Do I belong? There's no spot. There's no space. There's, I have to wait my turn. It's like going into an elevator and you see there's too many people. I got to wait for the next one. When you look at community as a crowd, this is what comes to our mind. But going to a concert is a different story. I didn't go to large concerts at all. I've never gone to one that's massive. Um, it'd be cool to go to a T-Swivel or a Sheeran kind of thing. But uh, I've, I've never been to a large one, but I've been to smaller ones growing up. Except if when we look at community like a concert and not a crowd, see, the difference is this, that you could be in a crowd of thousands and you have a seat. And your, or your friend saves you a seat. You know where you belong. That's a different story. You can see a crowd in a concert and you already have a space set apart for you. The space that was created for you to operate. Hear me today. Your position, the position for your role already exists in community. It's open. Welcome in. Come on down. See your next turn points to community. God has invited you into a role. Get this. God has invited you into a role. The ticket has not expired and your position sits in the midst of community. And so if our next turn points to community, what's your role? What is it that God's doing? What is he speaking? See, in John 17, verse 20 to 21, we see Jesus speaking. Jesus is praying before he gets betrayed. And I want to hone in on this. It says in verse 20, my prayer, Jesus' prayer, is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's not just praying for us. He's not just praying for the disciples. He's actually praying for something beyond for those who will come to believe so that all of them may be one. Who's all of them? All of us. Our community, the church, our neighbor, us, those he is praying for, is those who follow and those who will, that all of us may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you. This is Jesus' prayer for you. The high priestly prayer. He's praying for you. Did you know Jesus prays for you? He's got a prayer for you. He's got a prayer in you. He's praying to God for others to come to belief and faith and that the church as a whole to be one. Never mind even just the word church. He's brought you into the family. Stanley Hauerwas says, the church needs to be the church in order to show the world how to be the world. 
See, one perspective today as we talk about engaging community that I want to hone in on is that our role in community exists through prayer. Our role in community exists through prayer, but this framework is two-sided. And so we're going to move forward into asking this question, how does our role change as people engage through prayer? How does our role change as people engage through prayer? And so I'm going to talk quickly about prayer and then move into how, how is it a two-sided framework? See, our role exists through prayer. In the Bible, there was two dominant positions that embodied this. Priests and prophets. They were the ones to engage community, primarily in the Old Testament, and they engaged through prayer. See, prayer wasn't just a tool or an event, though they are. It is something I like to, I often like to say that our first step towards God is, God, I need you. And our second step toward God is prayer or any type of spiritual discipline. It's the way we engage with God. It's a second step towards God. And as well, we also see in scripture that it's kind of like an event. There's corporate prayer where we pray in agreement, right? That verse where it says two or more are gathered. There I am. That's a prayer of agreement. Not the idea just that we're praying together, but that we're praying in agreement together. But for the prophets and the priests, I want to say it this way, that prayer was an embodied conversation. See, our role exists through prayer, and prayer was an embodied conversation. The prophets and priests live this. What do I mean by embodied conversation? It's a little bit of a different language. See, meaning that they were in communication, but not always just verbally. That they were heard by God by who they were and how they represented him. It was something lived and not just done. Prayer involved their whole being and continued with them, through them, as life, not just as a tool and not just as an event. So a little bit more on prayer. The goal of prayer. Funny, we just had communion today. The goal of prayer is communion. The goal of prayer is meeting with God and exchange of our heart for his. And communion is actually one of those marks of prayer because it reminds us of living in a communion covenant, a sacred agreement, an allegiance, a beautiful family with God until his return. A buddy of mine, Pastor Dean Welton, often says prayer this way, that a healthy prayer life is born from two things. In one sense, we have to understand prayer based off of our position with God and to God. Our position with God is father and child. Father and daughter, father and son. It's like the younger brother in the prodigal son story who left with his inheritance, squandered it, came back, and yet he didn't realize how much of a father he had waiting for him. And yet, then there's the position to God, which we talked about today, king and servant. You guys are already ahead of me. We have to understand prayer in these two positions. I like to quote Rich Wilkerson Jr. often where I say, where he says, how we view God is how we approach him and how we approach him affects how we receive from him. It's massive how we view God. And so prayer is this embodied conversation. And it operates in this two-sided framework through prophets and priests. 
And I want to talk about those two positions today. Prophets, if you didn't know, fun fact, um, prophets spoke from God to people. The purpose of a, of a prophet, as Walter Brueggemann says, that it's to announce death and imagine hope. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting phrase, but I, I completely connect with it. Announce death where life was not present, and prophets imagined hope to anticipate God's reality. Prophets spoke from God to people, to nations, calling them back to covenant. They were in tune with God's heart. They knew him. They were in exchange with him. They walked with him. They, they, they lived as if God was, was center stage in front of them. They often targeted and focused on how does the systems and the powers and the principalities of the world affect us. He called, they, they called people to righteousness. Often in the Old Testament, the word is judgment. But it's not this punishment. It's this discipline where God is calling us to righteousness, meaning trying to change something that it shouldn't be to make something as it was ought to be. They were indignant to sin. It's a big word. What do I mean by that? They were indignant to sin. Idolatry was a sin that they focused on, meaning giving things higher worship that was reserved for God. They hated when people were not, where, where people were being socially unjust and that they were not taking care of their people. They were not taking care of the poor. They were not taking care of the forgotten. They were, they needed to, they were trying to emphasize so much about how this is a sin. Even talks about in Isaiah how Sodom and Gomorrah, even though it's talked often about sexual stuff and all these different things, and they, and they, they were a sinful city. In Isaiah, it talks about how they didn't take care of their poor. They forgot about them. That's a sin. So already, I, I think we can all kind of agree on this, you know. And lastly, they targeted the sin of ritualism in, in religion, where everything became about process and not about needing God or being in love with him. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was actually called from the womb. You know what I mean? From Jeremiah 1.5, it says, before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before I, you were born, I set you apart for that special work. He was called from the womb. He had a role from the beginning. Ezekiel trained as a priest and then called to be a prophet in Ezekiel 2. But then we have priests. So prophets spoke from God to people. Priests speak from people to God. Priests mediated between God and people. They were shepherds of the identity of faith in their communities. They were translators of God's holiness. You had to be born into the Levitical line, the family lineage. But even then, you could be a Levite and not be a priest because there were still requirements. They offered sacrifices, gave instruction, they held strongly to scripture. It was a professional role. They were guardians of, and, and servants of Israel's relationship with God. They helped others by being the bridge in a gap between people and God. Sounds like, sounds like our mission here. Being a bridge to life with Jesus. And so there's a lot to learn. We got prophets, we got priests. There's a lot going on. In summary, prophets called people back to God. From where true life 
was never going to be found. They called them back. And priests led people to be distinct and faithful where true life was always near. Prophets and priests were involved in community and their role was activating. They had an impact. They had a role. See, learning your role activates community. Learning your role is activating and it activates community. So how do we learn our role? Well, we got to pay attention to a few things. And it's actually a lot simpler than we realize. See, God called a man named Joseph to save Egypt. Except he didn't just call him to save Egypt. He himself wasn't even Egyptian. He was an Israelite. And God called Joseph to save Egypt, his family, the Israelites, and the surrounding communities. But what was Joseph doing for the last 14 years in prison? Serving. See, when God called Moses to lead Israel out from slavery, what was he doing for the last 40 years in the desert? Shepherding. When God called Samuel to support the king, Saul and David, what was he doing since he was a boy? Listening. When God called Peter to be the first apostle and the rock of the church, what was he doing with his family? Fishing. Oh, come on, somebody. This is, this is pretty straightforward. I don't know what's going on here. There's a pattern. See, when I ask you, what is your role? God isn't setting you up to fail. He's setting you up to go. Go where? Because wherever we go, he's calling you to be yourself. He's calling you to be yourself and we need him to do so. Why? Because a human footprint doesn't match the God-sized difference he wants to make through your role. Learning a role means being yourself. Learning a role means being yourself. What does the New Testament say about this? See, we see one verse in 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people for God's possession so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who calls you out of darkness. Remember that prophet piece, out from where there is no light into his marvelous light. Mark 12, verse 30. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so as we walk out as we go and walk out who we are, we got to prepare. Now, here's the thing. I can't do that for you, but I want to do it with you. We want to do it with you. We need it. And so there's options to consider here about living out our role. Now, Mark 12, verse 30. It said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Here's the thing. Don't be surprised when the imprint we make on others follows the blueprints we have for loving ourselves. Love people the way you love yourself. How do we love ourselves? Are we relational with ourselves? When you are angry and frustrated, how do you deal with that? Is it relational? It's a part of you. How do you love that part of you? How do you love the part of your heart that wanders? How do you love the part of your mind that's that skips and forgets and, and, and replaces priorities with preferences. 
So don't be surprised if that imprint is maybe following the blueprints we have for loving ourselves. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus had a rule of life. What's your rule of life? What is it that your goal and your focus is centered on? It keeps us held into boundary. Boundary is not about doing what, well, freedom's not about doing whatever you want. But boundaries is about knowing the space you can do everything wonderful in. We want to understand what is obedience. If we're going to live out our role, we got to be obedient. But obedience is not just about filling up space, doing something, making dumb decisions just for the sake of doing something that seems good. Obedience is about becoming, not doing. I'll tell you, some things take a while. I, I don't know about you, and you, know, you can yell at me after, but I, I think that even though we might have the potential to become obedient into something, I don't think that means that we current have, currently have the capacity to do it. Some things just take a while. Don't be disheartened. But obedience is wisdom that leads to wholeness. Obedience is wisdom that leads to wholeness. If you're saying to yourself, mm, I don't know if I need to be obedient in this moment. I'm not sure what I need to be obedient in. Well, it's in your benefit. Because you're probably looking for wholeness. Something to work. Something to engage with. Something to experience. It's wisdom that leads to wholeness. Maybe you think, you know what, I'm not ready to be myself, like my true self. I'm, maybe I'm, I, I'm not ready to go out and, and, and be who God's called me to be. Can I remind you today that potential always has a starting capacity? Potential always has a starting capacity. The Great Commission is an activating process, Matthew 28 goes into how Jesus is calling disciples to go make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've taught you to obey and what, I'll be there with you for how long? Till the ends of the earth. Discipleship is an activating process. I don't know how you view discipleship, but again, if, if, if how we view God affects how we approach him and how we approach him affects how we receive from him, then our view of everything else seems to affect everything else too. Sounds kind of complicated, but again, it's an activating process. I like to say that for myself, the discipleship is, a, is learning to say yes to who God is in the process, even if we slip up, fall short, or say no in the circumstance. Say no in the circumstance, but I'm not allowed to say no. But we do. And I say that not to give you permission to do whatever you want. I say that to bring comfort, consolation, and a reminder, we're in this together. Continue to say yes to who God is in the process, even if you say no in some circumstances. Like a prophet, be one who calls people back to God from where true life was never found. Like a priest, be the one who leads people to be distinct and faithful where life is always near. And as I was praying into this whole process, I felt like God gave me this picture where our foot was, was stuck in concrete, stuck in mud. And when you slip and your foot goes down and you're stuck, I had this picture of the person turning around, confused, like, what the heck? I'm stuck. Like, what do I do? How do I get out of this? Why isn't anyone helping me? In a pr- very profound way, I felt 
like we, we can't get our foot out of the mud and engage with community until we wrestle out this. People are equally, the people we meet are equally in need of love. The people we meet are equally in need of love. Remember, we went back to that verse of John 17. He prayed for us and he prayed for those who will believe. We're on the same page. We're on the same level as every other person in the world. We're not above. We're not below. Even though God's called us to serve, I get that. We're on the same page. But we're stuck in the mud until we actually wrestle out an understanding that we meet people who are equally in need of love. And so while learning our role activates communities, there's something so much more. Again, we, we kept singing today about God being king. God doing something. God revealing his reality. See, while learning our role activates community, activated communities become kingdoms. Activated communities become kingdoms. See, when we look at Jesus and how he engaged community, he was being himself. Perfect, wonderful. Doesn't even say that, doesn't even say, it doesn't even say that he was more handsome. He was normal. He was an ordinary person. Except he wasn't. See, Jesus engaged community while being himself. Remember, Jesus started his ministry at age 30. What was he doing since then? Learning, growing in wisdom, stature, reputation. There's a lot of good things there. But there's the other part. He learned to be a carpenter, like his father, Joseph. He learned a trade. And then eventually he traded it for ministry, but not really. See, where he came from mattered. He learned to be a carpenter like his father Joseph. And then he did ministry for three years. I don't know if you can, you know, kind of check that. Some people in this room have been in ministry way longer. That's not like a, yay, like you're better. Like it's, it's, that's what God called us to do. That's why Jesus came to activate that process of discipleship so that you would carry on what he's called you to do. Here's what I'm getting at. See, I'm learning about carpenters as I live with my host family. Carpenters can see things as they are and what they can be. Making changes doesn't come lightly. It comes at a considerable cost. We know that even right now during COVID, there's a massive amount of backlogs and, and costs if you want to do any type of renovation or change. And the result of their work of a carpenter is most profound to those who seek greater change. See, I've seen some really cool places, um, museum exhibits. My dad's a lighting designer, so he, he does all that kind of, that stuff. Goes across Canada doing museums and different stores and, and, and different businesses. And it's really cool to see, but it's even greater for those who seek it who want it, who desire it, who need it, who are expecting it, who are anticipating it. Here's the point. There is a carpenter. Oh, there's a carpenter. 
There is a carpenter, and he is shaping a kingdom in your community. There is a carpenter, and he's shaping a kingdom in your community. I got to tell you today, you are designed for your role. You are attended to. You're attended to. You were designed for your role. The cost of what you've had to give up, sacrifice, move on from, let go of, the cost for your refinement was considered. It was considered. It was not forgotten. You are being restored. And if something is broken, check with the carpenter. If you haven't, do it after this. Maybe do it now. Check with the carpenter. And so activated communities become kingdoms. And there's a kingdom being built. There is a kingdom being built. I bet God cannot wait to see you in your role. Did you know you look good in your role? Oh man, you guys look good in your role. Look at you. You look good in your role. You guys all look good today as well. But like, you look good in your role. I bet God can't wait, can't wait to not just be in communion with us tomorrow, but be in communion with our community tomorrow as well. So that we can go, so that we can engage, so that we can be an invitation for people to taste living water. Some people have never tasted living water. I remember that my first time meeting Jesus in, in this incredible experience because it changed everything. Learning who God's role was. Man, I learned what my role was again. We are inviting people to taste living water because people are so, so too used to sipping sand. Perched, parched, whatever the word is. Wanting, pleading. See, the kingdom invites us to go and the kingdom invites us to come. This is our role. And so we have a role. And so does God. Learning our role isn't just something to do. It's actually so that God can do his thing. It's not something we do. It's just, it's that God can do his thing. He extends to us partnership where we activate community and he turns them into kingdoms. Do you see the kingdom? When you look out, when you think about your community, do you see it? Can you see it like the carpenter sees it? Can you see it like as it is, but what, what, where it can be? Do you see the kingdom over your community being shaped and reshaped by a master carpenter who perfectly does what he does by personally being exactly who he is? It's incredible during worship that we are being led to recognize God as king. See, he's prepared us. He's prepared us for today. He's prepared us for this word. He's prepared us for this moment. This is just the second step towards God. And so a community becomes a kingdom when the king brings to himself a people 
in unity and in purpose. See, even the gospel means to, to herald good news, typically giving this pronounced picture of a king coming back with his army to the community, to the kingdom, and everybody out in the community and everybody in the kingdom would run out of the gates, greeting the king, praising and getting excited and, and cheering on what had just happened because there was oneness. That's the good news. And we, there's a space created to meet with the king. Today we've had one part of it. Tomorrow we have the next. And so community becomes a kingdom when the king comes to bring people unity and purpose, when disciples are formed by people who are in this world, not of it. And a community comes when we live out a role of embodied conversation with God and communities activated to become kingdoms. And so before we pray, consider what is your role? What is God's role? And remember this today. Be a prophet. Again, Jesus called us, prayed for us to be one. Let's be one right now. Jesus sought the one out of the... Out of the 99, he sought to seek and save that which was lost, right? Luke 19.10. So I'm speaking to the one right now. You are the one. We are one. Be a prophet. Be a priest. As you engage community, being yourself. Oh man, let's pray together. Well, Heavenly Father, we recognize you today as king. And, and not just that, God, that you are doing a work that you are a carpenter preparing the community to become a kingdom. And today, God, as we go, may we know our role. For those of us who have never actually acted on that, asking you that question, seeking you out, then that's on us. That's not on you. God, we are invited to be part of the kingdom. We each have a role. We each have a turn that points us to community. And Father, I pray that wherever our potential is, that we remember we have a starting capacity and that you meet us where we are. God, there are things that you've given us to be ourself. Help us to do that as prophets and priests as we engage community, being ourself in partnership and communion with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 